Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Monday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes, and this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is Empowered, three stories of people doing things they would never normally do. Danny Lobel fulfills a lifelong dream at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Nicole Williams strikes while the iron-bodied Olympic swimmer is hot. And I experience the short-lived fulfillment of every waiter's fantasy. But let's not dawdle. First up, Danny Lobel. I'm from New York. Thank you. I've only... Missed two Macy's Thanksgiving Day parades my entire life. I've been going since I was a kid, and I, I've maintained this tradition because it's the one day from my entire childhood that I have no bad memories. Like, every Thanksgiving was always great. Not that I had some terrible, troubled childhood. I had, it had its ups and downs, but Thanksgiving was just, like, untainted untainted day in any I cannot go back to any bad Thanksgiving memory and they're all the same go with the family to the parade we'd go see a movie some animated film that came out on Thanksgiving and get some pancakes and uh, walk around the park and then go to friends for dinner and those friends um, passed away and that tradition became that we'd do all those things and go to then my family's uh, place for dinner in New Rochelle, Westchester. And no matter what, whether my family wanted to go or not, I've always gone. And so now with my girlfriend, we always go. If my family's not going to go, I'm getting up and I'm braving it and I'm going to that parade. And even living here, I don't care how broke I am. I take that money that I've got and I fly back for that Macy's Day parade. Last year, we got, to, we got some special tickets from a friend of mine who was one of the drunken minions holding the... Uh, you don't know they're drunk, but they're drunk in the minion suits. And uh, <laughs> But uh, this year, we, we, were, we had to brave it again the old-fashioned way, go into the crowds. And we, we came in from Long Island, staying with my parents, get off at Penn Station, and, and there there's a bunch of subways. I usually go to the same spot every year, 72nd Street in Central Park West by the Dakota Building. And... We get on, we're waiting, we're waiting for the Uptown C local train, and it doesn't come. And we find out there's no Uptown local trains. So we get on the A train, we're like, well, maybe this is making local stops. But it takes us right to Harlem, like skips everything. <laughs> the whole parade just passes it by. And as we pass these stops, we realize they're all taped off by, by the police. So you can't get off anywhere before 86th Street. We woke up, I guess, a little too late. And uh, we get to 125th, and we get the local train going downtown so we get off at 86th street which is where the parade starts and i'm like thinking oh man we're gonna miss the whole parade because it already started and to fight your way through those crowds i don't know how it's gonna happen but i'm like we gotta do it i'm determined i cannot miss a macy's day parade this isn't this is too important <laughs> so we get out at 86 and there's a cop with the barrier, you know, keeping people from, from fun. You know, that's the, <laughs> that's the barrier because the thing is when you're at the Macy's Day Parade, 
you become a kid again. At least I do. You know, it brings back that one day of being a kid. I still go to an animated film every year after it. I just want to feel like a kid again. It's that original high that I think we're all chasing is just to feel like a kid having fun. And I'm like, I, I see like the real world separated from being a kid by this barrier with this police officer. And he's, he's just guarding, like he's keeping people out of imagination land, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say to this guy, but I'm going for it. And as we're walking towards him, I see him turning people away, being like, I'm sorry you can't get in here. And once you can't get in there, you're fucked. There's no way you're getting in to this parade. And, and then right before we get there, this really, like, posh woman walks up to the barrier, and, and he goes, I'm sorry, ma'am, you can't come in here. Like, I know the motion, because you, you get to learn how to speak cop living there for a long You know, but you just see it. You know what he's saying, and then they turn away. And, and, I, and as we're getting closer, I overhear it now, and he goes, sorry, ma'am, you can't come in here. And she goes, I live on this block. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he opens the barrier, and I tell my girlfriend, come on, now's our chance. Let's go. So we start walking, and the cop goes, sir, you can't come in here. I go, I live here. And he says, I know you're lying. And I don't even turn and look at him. I just keep walking because in my head I'm thinking if I was rich enough to live here, I wouldn't care what this peasant has to say, you know. Fuck this guy. How dare you tell me I don't live on the block that I live on. So we storm through. We pass the cop. We're in. We're at the beginning of the Macy's Day Parade just as the last parts of the parade are going. There's the big believe, uh, big believe balloons, the big stars that come right before Santa and his sleigh, which ends the, p- the parade. And I'm like, this is – we can – to the right, people are filtering. The residents who want to watch the rest of the parade, they're, the parade, they're filtering to the right, to the left the parade itself and I'm like fuck it let's go for it and I said Kylie follow me that's my girlfriend's name and I go follow me (laughs) and we run and start slapping five with everybody barricaded on the sides and we join the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and uh, as soon as we can try and make ourselves look like we're part of it, we get right in the center of the street. We're strolling down Central Park West, just with tons of room, just having a leisurely stroll as everybody's cramped to either side, cheering, waving like a presidential couple to either side. I notice right behind us is Santa Claus on his sleigh <laughs> and an SUV in front of him. And on either side of us are the toy soldiers walking. And I'm like, holy shit. A Jew broke into Santa's entourage. This is unbelievable. (laughs) For 16 blocks, we marched on what I had was pure adrenaline. Just walking by hundreds of police officers, keeping everyone to either side, not even stopping us or questioning why this random couple introduces Santa this year. We're walking, we're on the TV cameras, NBC and CBS. I'm going up to the sidelines going, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! And they're all going, Happy Thanksgiving! And they all sound like Seinfeld in my head. And, uh... (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving! Anyway, I... confetti is being thrown it's just amazing i'm on such a high and then i'm and then my body starts to tell me oh man you've been walking in the cold with your jacket wide open and uh you've been walking marching for 16 blocks i don't know how much left 
we've got here. And I was like, oh, shit, I felt, I felt what, what I normally would have felt before 16 Blocks hit me all at once. And I was like, I got to get a picture to document that this ever happened. And so I give my girlfriend, I said, I take a picture of my girlfriend. And I'm like, here, take a picture of me walking. And she's like, what if we get caught? Because you're not supposed to be taking pictures if you're actually in the parade. Yeah. <laughs> but, but she takes a picture of me. And at this moment, in this photograph that we have, you see this toy soldier looking back. Like, what the fuck are these people who I've been walking with for 16 blocks? And he comes up to me. Do I have a minute? I'm going to just wrap this up now. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. He comes up and he gets right, right up in my face and he goes... What are you? What are you do? You're not. To, you're not supposed to be. Are you? You're not supposed to be in the parade. And like the fact that he stumbled there, I knew that he had his doubts. And I was like, "What are you talking about? Keep walking. You're you're, you're slowing everybody down. Of course, we're supposed to be in the parade." And he's like, "Oh, sorry." And he kept walking. <laughs> but it was less than a minute later that he must have been thinking, "This doesn't make any sense." And he turned around again and he goes, "Well, where, well where's your badge then?" And I didn't even know you're supposed to have a badge to be in the. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't know how it works. And I didn't have a good answer for that one. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't. He's like, go talk to that woman. And as soon as we start walking towards that woman, a police officer goes, what, why the hell are you in the damn parade? What are you doing? And this is the best answer that I came up with, scared, uh, but, but, but still ballsy. I, I, this is the lie I came up with on the spot for this police officer. I go, I don't know. I think a clown pulled us in. <laughs> that, was, that was my great escape. As she escorted us out of the parade, and that was my victory. Thank you very much. Next up, Nicole Williams. I was like 24 years old, and I had been like really overweight, like pushing 200 pounds, and I decided, oh, I'm going to get in shape. Really, I didn't have a lot of money because I had broken up with my boyfriend, but whatever. So I'm like eating healthy, and like I'm going to these gymnastics classes, right? And I have like like probably the best body of my life. And so it's just like, okay, I have to start internet dating, right? (laughs) So I end up going out on a date with this guy, and it's kind of weird because like I have to pick him up because he doesn't have a car. That's strike one, all right? (laughs) Then we go to dinner, and like I'm a vegetarian, and like he's chowing down on this burger, and I'm just like, all right, that's kind of gross, strike two, but whatever. (laughs) Then the bill comes, and he's just like, um, I have a complicated financial situation. (laughs) And I'm just like, what do you mean? And he's just like, well, I can put this on my credit card because my parents pay my credit card. But if we, like, go to a bar later or something, like, could you pay for it then? And I'm just kind of like, this is getting sketchier and sketchier, but you are very attractive. (laughs) Uh, Oh, so the important thing about this guy is that he was living in Los Angeles to train with the USC swim team. Uh, and he was an actual contender for the last Olympics. And I'm just like, wow, like he was ranked 16th in the nation or something like that. So, I mean, I'm in it. And then we're at the bar, and he's just like, do you want to see my tattoo? And I'm just like, yeah, okay, finally something I can get behind. And it's fucking Mothra attacking the White House. And then he's just like, and my best friend, who he then brings up 25 times, which means that they probably either are already having sex or he wishes that they were or they did for a long time. He's like, she's got like Godzilla attacking, I don't know, the Washington Monument. I don't even remember. And I'm like, wow, this is not going well. 
Uh, and we go to this warehouse party that my friends are having, and he gets pretty drunk, and then he's like, do you want to come back to my house and listen to, like, neon blonde vinyl? And I'm just kind of like, all right, I mean, I guess... I'll go back there because I don't really have anything better to do. And then it turns out that he doesn't even live in his own house. He rents a room from like some elderly or middle-aged couple with a child in West Adams. So you're, I'm in this house and we have to be kind of quiet, but he puts on the vinyl and we start making out. And like, I just realize in this moment, oh my God, I never want to ever see you again. And I suddenly felt so empowered as a woman because it's like you don't want to fuck a guy on the first date because if he doesn't call you, then you've been a slut. But if you literally let go of ever wanting to talk to him again, it can be a really freeing experience. And like, we did it for hours and he was an Olympic swimmer. The hardest body... Now I'm just getting vulgar, but I mean, whatever you imagine having sex with Ian Thorpe like is exactly what this felt like to me. And then, like, my mom the next day is just like, well, what did you do last night? I'm like, oh, I went out on a date. She's like, well, uh, what's going to happen? Is he going to call you? And I'm just like, I do not even care. I'm just like, I am pretty sure that he is not going to. I am pretty sure that I fixed it so that he never will. And the good news was that he never did. And now I can share that story with you guys. And finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. When I was in my late 20s, I worked at a restaurant called TGI Fridays. A corporate restaurant that was openly mocked in the movie Office Space. A restaurant where I can assure you that dignity is not on the menu. So I worked there during the time period where we all had to wear the stereotypical uniforms. It was black pants, black shoes, red and white striped barber pole shirt, suspenders with a minimum of 10 flair, which included, ask us about our Jack Daniels sauce. Every day is Friday in here. I'm dying slowly inside. There's all these on you. So uh, along with that, you also had to wear a hat that showed your personality. Because as we were told at a sales meeting when I first got hired, No one comes to Fridays for the food. They come here for the experience. And that experience is you guys. It was a great lunch shift that I didn't want to lose, so I bought into their corporate policies. They wanted us to use sizzle words. They wanted us to go up to customers and make it just a fun time for them that... uh, We're there to entertain them. We're there to make them happy. And if they get to eat food along the way, great. So I got to live out the waiter's dream when one day I found out that our TGI Fridays was closing forever. On a Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, our doors would shut, and that would be it. Somehow, through a cosmic beauty, I found myself being the last waiter in the last shift in the last section of this restaurant. 3.45, 15 minutes before we were about to close, a man in his 40s and his very elderly mother sit down at a table. I walk up to them, give them a, how you doing? Welcome to Fridays, I'm Kevin. And I say, can I get you something to drink? And they say, no, we need a minute. I say, great, I'll be right back. So in the time when I say I'll be right back, I get the nightmare, the waiter's nightmare, which is I am now triple sat. Therefore, counting them, I am essentially quadruple sat. And there's no one else there to help me because I am the last waiter, 
in the last shift in the last section of the restaurant. So I have to go take care of these other tables, and they are child-laden, young child-laden. So what they do is they start to do the things that kids do in restaurants that drive waiters crazy. When the bag of Cheerios is pulled out, the kid just starts to smash them and put them all over the ground. So that's what I'm dealing with is I'm trying to get back, and I finally make my way back to the man in his 40s and his elderly mother. I say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry it took so long to get back to you. They have not seen me leave this section. And the man says something to me that I have since blocked out. (laughs) But it was so rude and so condescending. And I was at a point where I was the last waiter in the last shift in the last section. And nobody fucking talks to me that way. So I look at him. I say, fine, what do you want? He tells me his order. I do not break eye contact with him the entire time. I write it down. He hands me his menu, and without breaking eye contact, I stare at him, and then I whip his menu across the restaurant. (laughs) And then I walked to the back, triumphant, adrenaline pumping through my body, feeling like a million dollars. And if the story ends here, it's awesome. (laughs) But it doesn't. Because my other three tables are right next to this. And there's no way for me to take care of these tables without dealing with this table. So I go back to my manager, who is in the back, presumably stealing things. And I tell him, if a table complains to you that I threw their menu across the restaurant, they're not lying. So he makes me go out there with him and apologize. And once again, it was proven, TGI Fridays, where dignity is not on the menu. Thank you very much. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers, Danny LaBelle and Nicole Williams. Also thanks to Johnny Archer, Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, The Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Because It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. While on iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. More comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes, plus it appeases my staunch desire for approval and acceptance. If you would like to ever see the live show, Funny Because It's True is every other Monday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood, located on historic and dastardly Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage, and from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGeehan. Thanks for listening. You have received this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.